It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with an effective character, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience on willingness in this episode 86 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Woohoo! Hey, guys. So this might sound a little different. Um, I don't know. When I was doing the intro, if you could hear uh, my my daughter, Olivia, who's turning three in July, her school had to kind of get shut down temporarily for a week because somebody that was in another class, they had uh, had COVID. So it was basically, okay, well, then the kids have to all be quarantined away. So she will be, she'll be joining, which is kind of nice, you know, because it's not that this is a meeting, but we talk about things that, uh, and topics that get brought up. And I know, I remember uh, a couple people bringing their children to meetings um i have i've not done it yet um maybe one day did you ever bring your boys james i think one yeah yeah you have they had headphones on yeah so this this is kind of that she's she's technically technically she's uh in her room right now watching the princess and the frog on disney nice um which is a good one, especially if you like New Orleans. If you haven't seen it, you might want to uh, check out some of that jazz. Yeah. Uh, but how's everything been for you guys, James? How's the last week been? Let me see. The last week's been uh, good. I started to um, plan a trip uh, to go pick up my boys the third week of June. I, I got the car. I took off work, and then I um, decided to surprise my kids and my fourteen-year-old. I said, Dad, no, I, I can't go that week. I've got testing. And I was Ooh. like, what do you mean? And um, it just goes to show that I should, you know, check with the kids first because they've got <laughs> they've got their own lives too, you know. But, you know, you just uh, assume everything's going to be fine. And, you know, I went through the whole range of, it's not fair. Let me see if I can get you out of the test. <laughs> because of what, what tests were they so it was it like placement tests no i think it's a rabies test no it's the F, it's the standardized test standardized test you take once a year um the F, you, wait the effing test is that what yeah it is? that's that's it that's it so i was like looking and i was doing all this research uh my wife helped me and i was like well and then again, not talking to him. And then I was like, okay, it looks like we can get you out of the test. And he's like, dad, no, I, I want to take the test. I want to, I want to take the test. Cause if I have to take it later, then, you know, I'll forget everything. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Like don't get them out of a test. Tests are kind of important. I, but that's my point. <laughs> yes. yeah. Let me finish. 
all in all, like he, um, he's like, no, I think I should take this. He, he kind of schooled me because <laughs> like, I, I know as a young kid, I'd be like, oh yeah, dad, get me out of this test. But so, I mean, that's good. They both uh, are doing uh, very good, but um, it looks like I won't be able to go see them until July. So that's a little sad, but I'm okay with it. Okay. Nice. Well, July will be extra special at that point, right? Yeah, it's always special, though, but extra special indeed. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, James. I appreciate you uh, you sharing. I know there's there's a lot of uh, parents going through that, uh, especially like because even even Father's Day coming up, uh, I technically don't have i don't have olivia that weekend we have it set in the divorce agreement that i i get her some of the time but i don't get her uh the entire weekend you know so it's uh it's a difficult thing you know you make the most of uh of the time that you have so i appreciate you sharing that james thanks dennis dennis what's up guys how's everything how you feeling it was also uh, great right. seeing you guys uh, this past week. We got to actually walk around uh, first time in what? I don't know. T- two months, Long maybe? time. Get together anyway. Yep, and your daughter was there. Yeah, you guys You guys look good. Oh, thanks. Yep, I was talking to James, but... Uh, I know. I just I can, wanted uh, to steal the compliment. I can sum everything up for Dennis. Um he has been home playing a little Minecraft, and he went on two outings, one to Target and one to the comic book store. He got in, he got the third Umbrella Academy comic, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, but that's big. Like, <laughs> like, I was so proud of myself this weekend. I ventured all the way to freaking Target. Wow. And to the, the next day, all the way to the comic book store. And, like... That's it's been a while since I've been that far out of my bubble, really. I was surprised. So it, was, it was a successful weekend. I got the call yesterday morning. Do you want to go to the comic book store? It's like, yes, absolutely. Well, that was a couple of days ago, but yeah. Oh yeah, I worked a double yesterday. Blech. Yeah. Fun. But we we had gone. We went to Target, and I had a little like anxiety beforehand, and on the way there, but then it cleared up. James wanted to go to the comic book store. So I'm like, when we got done there, I was like, well, let's go to the comic book store because I'm feeling pretty good right now. And then we go and there's like a line, like all the way outside in the parking lot to like get into the comic book store. So like we were going to meet up with Mike, you Mike. And so we didn't wait in line. So then the, whole idea of going to the comic book store was in my mind and i knew he was off the next day so that's why we went the next day the line was to see sam smith the original actor of flash gordon no way yeah like is he like the original original from like the 60s or whatever the movie oh yeah like the the football player blonde guy surfer looking guy samuel yeah i never watched it wow did you know that that was like that was the day that he was there? Like that? No, we found day. out the next day. Oh, you're like, yeah, 
no wonder there was a line. Adam West was here. And you're like, I thought he died. What happened? He's dead, right? I don't know. I thought he died. I don't know. Dennis, you're pretty good with it. You don't know if he's deceased? I think he is, but yeah. I don't know. Rest in peace. That's sad. Sorry I brought that up. Yep. Sorry, Dennis. So How uh, was your uh, it was good. It was pretty, you know, every week is, is a new thing, right? Uh, la- the last week and a half, I was quarantined at home. Then the first day that I was back, uh, not even an hour after I got back to work, I got a uh, text from Olivia's daycare that it was shut down. And I kid you not, outside, outside of being like, oh, boy. That was literally my inflection and reaction to it. And I said, okay, well, this is what it's going to be. And I gave them a call. And the first time that I think they have ever done it, they said, oh, we already charged you for daycare this week, but we'll reimburse you the full amount next week. So next week will be free. And I'm like, huh. Well, that's good. And only this, this, this is the same daycare that we had to pay during the pandemic when everything was shut down to hold her spot. We oh, had we, like, we had to pay. It was a reduced rate, but we still had to pay. So wow. for this to be a switch, I figured that I like I actually asked them. I said, are you, are you for real? <laughs> when they told me that I was going to get a I guess it's not a free week, but that I wasn't going to have to pay, um, you know, for the time that she wasn't there. Cause that's just how it goes nowadays. And so that was a, a pleasant surprise. And, uh, let me see. And everything else is honestly, it's, it's going good. So I'm, uh, working a little bit from home. I'm fortunate that I can, uh, you know, go in to work after hours and I uh, have my girlfriend who has, you know, two boys and is totally equipped to watch uh, Olivia. She offered and I was hesitant and I said, you know what, um, you know, if I need to, that's an option. And I'm, I'm just kind of weighing that out, you know, um, but I'll be able to get everything done and um, and it will be good, you know, and there's nothing Ah, uh, yeah, I guess there's there's no fear that I have in my life today and and that's what I try to uh, to avoid. So, uh today's topic of willingness is one that a friend uh brought up to me because we say in the in the meetings, the most of them, what is it? Is it in how it works or the the steps as far as um if you're willing to go to any lengths to stay sober? Is how it works? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll just accept that. Um, so willingness, when you first heard that as far as the, the program goes, Dennis, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, I think on the basic concept of like willingness is like you have to be willing to like work the program and do the steps and stuff or else you're just not going to do it. You know, like if they, if you go into the rooms and you don't have the willingness to recover, (coughs) sorry, excuse me. 
then you're never going to, you know what I'm saying? Like you, it's like vital in the first step, you know, I think, well, maybe not the first step, but before you even take the steps, you know, if you, you know, are in a bad spot, but you're not like, have no motivation or no willingness to actually do anything about it, then you're going to stay in that spot forever. So, you know, that's how I can't grasp it. Yeah. Do you feel the same way, James? Was there like the, was there something that was the hardest to be willing to do when you came in? Um, yeah. Step five, I, you know, for, for many years in and out of the program, I, I did not want you know, we all have those secrets that, that heard that if, you know, it got out that you'd either be arrested or you know, you'll be shunned by everyone that you hold dear. And, you know, you don't think that some things that some things are uh, forgivable. And uh, ultimately, until I was willing to really trust someone and and let out everything that's been, you know, just bringing me down and destroying me inside. Um, you know, as my thoughts wage war in my head, I was able to really be willing and, and be trusting. And and that was hard, you know. I, I, I don't think I was willing to do it until I was, you know, up against the door. And then at that point, I had a choice to do it or or keep drinking. And at that point, I became willing. So I was really at my lowest. And um, one thing I'll also say is, you know, you can't, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I've found that, you know, alcoholics, they unless they're willing to do the work and, and start, you know, it's great that they show up in meetings and stuff. Um, for me, the first times I went to meetings was just to get the, the monkey off my back to get the, my ex from yelling at me all the time, you know, but unless you're willing to change internally, uh, it's not going to work unless you're willing to do the work. Yeah. Thank you, James. I, I always find that I need to be not, not only willing, like when we came in, like we didn't want to feel that way anymore. But when things start getting better and everybody's better is different, right? So it could be, oh, I, you know, I uh, moved into a nicer place. So things are better sometimes when things get better. Uh, I've watched friends go out because they don't have those problems anymore. Uh, they're in a relationship or they got their, um, they got to see their kid, like they got their kids again, or they have a new job. So they go out and I have to be willing to know that even though things aren't the way that they, they were, I have to be willing to still do exactly what I did to get those things back, which is to stay out of the way and to really uh, turn it over. So 
make sure that I stay willing, you know, to kind of, kind of know that I'm not in charge of this thing. And even if everything's going good or if it's going bad, I still say a prayer in the morning. One of the same ones that uh, James does to be of service, you know, that day. And not every day does somebody, you know, appear that needs help. But the days that they do, I know I see it as because I did that, because I was willing to not just go to meetings for the first 90 days and then say, I got this. Not to just like read the doctor's opinion and say, oh, yeah, I read the big book. To act- I don't know about you guys, but admittedly, I don't open the big book maybe as much as um, as I should. But I have it with me. I have a copy at home. And also I have a copy in my car um, just in case. I need it. There's been uh, newcomers that I've lent the big book to, and that's the one that I have in my car. Uh, and I'm proud of it. At first, I was like, I have to hide, you know, hide this away. What if somebody sees my big book that I have in my car? Um, and then I'm like, you know what? Who the hell cares? You know, nobody, you know, uh, nobody is going to think about me more than I thought about myself you know, before I came in the rooms. And that, that took some time to actually know that that's the truth, you know. So I try to become willing to do anything that's uh, that's asked of me. Is there anything, Dennis, that you definitely, like, didn't when you came in that was, like, the toughest for you? Uh, I think, like, when I first came in, I was in, like, such a bad, like, hopeless state. And like the first meeting, I got a little bit of hope. So I kind of grasped onto that. And early on, I said, you know, like, these people know something that I don't know. They have something that I don't have. So I'm going to give this a fair shot. And if I'm going to give this a shot, I'm just going to go all in and do it. So, you know, I took to it rather quickly, you know, and there's always incidences, like small little incidences that I don't want to do, you know, like early on, like if you listen to my story on episode two, the best episode we've ever produced. Um, it's up there. We, we, we peaked early. <laughs> um, like when I had to go down to like my friend's memorial service, like I didn't want to do it. My sponsor said it would be good for me. So I reluctantly did it. And then with like my anxiety and, and stuff like that, like I'm naturally, I don't want to do anything. Right. But I have to get past that fear and that thing to like step outside of my bubble. So like, like when James asked me to go to target this past weekend and stuff, I didn't want to go. It would have been easier not to go and whatever, but I knew that like it would be good and I did it and it was good, you know, but, you know, it's kind of like, for me, it's, it's not so much of like working the program that I got to be willing to. It's about like taking that program and be willing to like go out and live life again kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I like that. I like that, Dennis. Do you think fellowship helps with being willing, James? 
almost like uh, peer pressure was always, in my opinion, a, a, like a bad thing beforehand. But it's really helped me do things that I don't want to when people say that they did, um, you know, uh, whether it's uh, go do a 12 step call or anything else. Uh, the camaraderie of fellowship I know has got me into do things that I didn't know if I'd be willing to do on my own. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here and say okay. that like, peer, peer pressure is a bad thing when you're around bad peers. When you surround yourself with good peers, it's a good thing. Okay. Well, what do you think about that, James? I think you've talked enough, Dennis. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Dennis. Do go on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You know, the fellowship is great. We're, um, we're all, you know, I love the analogy in the big book that we've all been shipwrecked and we're all on an island and we all came together with this common bond, this, this soul sickness, this spiritual malady. And we all use this, this alcohol and drugs to, to fill this, this hole in our soul and because of that common bond we're all trying to live a better life and uh because of that common bond um we we pull each other up so many people know the way out now there's people in the rooms that you know have 30 years i've said this before and they're still pretty sick so you just you know i i myself try to be um you know kind and, and not judgmental but I just stay away from them. But the people that I gravitate to um, are the people who encourage me. They're the people who, uh, you know, hey, let's go have some fun. Let's let's do this. You know, the people I hang out with enjoy life and they they live a spiritual life. And, um, you know, in early sobriety, they're the ones who, who got me to go on those 12-step calls that when I was living in a sober house. They would pick me every night after work and bring me to a meeting. And even if I, I didn't want to go, you know, I was willing to go because they were there in their car to pick me up because they knew that I didn't have a car. You know, those are the kinds of things that like, well, he drove all this way to come pick me up. Of course, I'm going to go, you know, and and that helped me a lot in early sobriety. And, um, you know, the willingness, you see it a lot in um in newcomers when uh when old timers are trying their best to help them you know it's really nice yeah and, and uh i appreciate your uh your quote everybody knows you, you know the most successful ship is a friendship right <laughs> joke number 39 yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah well, you can see you can see that um i uh yeah I, and i'm i'm thankful i think the only way to and not to uh shout out uh different people in the rooms that uh i guess add themselves into uh the fellowship i mean there's there's people that i know that are sober-minded and they uh, go to a lot of meetings and they can quote from the big book and they have sponsees, but fellowship is not part of their thing. For me, yeah. I need it. Um, I will be honest in saying I don't judge their sobriety, but I don't understand it. 
because I know that I, you know, uh, I guess that's one of those things like take what you need and leave the rest. I know that I need fellowship um, because the ideas in my head, even still, if I stopped going to meetings, didn't crack the big book and didn't talk to anybody that was in recovery, uh, my built-in forgetter would have me have the mind that I used to have relatively quickly. And I would forget of uh, what I had in my life that the only reason I have is because I was willing to actually admit that there was a problem. And instead of saying, and I probably did early on, I probably said, no, I just want to learn how to like control my drinking. And I don't know if I, I think I talked about it on here that a month ago, a friend of mine in college that I used to drink with reached out and was looking to find a way to control his drinking. And he's like, you know, how do I, how do I do that? And I said, honestly, the only way I know how to control my drinking is by abstaining. And I abstain by using this program and, you know, by turning it over to whatever's bigger than me, you know, and had that conversation. He's like, well, how, how, how did that work? Like, how were you willing to do that? And I said, yeah, it's pretty easy. I just wrote down on paper the, the way that my life was and the feelings that I had. And every day I felt like I was going to have a breakdown because I would look at everything that I had that was terrible and it was like the biggest mountain when in reality, a lot of it was really trivial stuff. And after going to the first meeting, there was a speaker meeting. I said, well, like I did identify, but I was also at that point comparing, even though the person I went to that first meeting with, she said, try not to compare, just identify. And I never really heard like the lingo that you hear if you're, you're listening and you've never been to a meeting. Um, this is kind of going off topic, but not really because it just brings me back. Thanks. Like the language that's uh, in recovery, whether it's a, a rehab or a room, do you guys remember like hearing words and different phrases and slogans of being like, where am I? No. Oh, is that a question? Yeah. I thought it was a rhetorical question. That, like, <laughs> it, like that, literally all the phrasings, I was like, I've never heard anybody speak like this. Yeah. You know, was it just me or did you, and it could have been maybe. No, well, I think like I had heard like some of it and like I had been exposed to AA when I was like 16 or so when I went to rehab for a little bit. Yeah. So I kind of knew what it was about, but I think it's like anything when you go into like an AA meeting and hear that language, it's certain phrases you don't understand, but like you go into a church, never been into a church. It's the same thing or a, a temple or a mosque or anything like that. They have their own kind of phrasing. And it's the same if you were to like, you never been into like a corporate business meeting and you go into mm. that business meeting and they're going to say a whole bunch of phrases you don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, and same with the film lingo. Every, every group has their own lingo that like, like in the late, concepts for, they deal with. For instance, instead of saying, um, 
you know, yeah, I apologized or I said, sorry, it's making amends, you know, or if you have, if you're mad about something, um, their resentments, you know, like things like that, that I was like, I'd never heard anybody speak like that before. So it was almost like learning a new language and a new, it is a new way of life, you know? Um, but that could be, that could be scary. You know, like if you're willing to, it's like learning a, a whole new thing and try, I had friends that tried to do it as fast as possible. And some sponsees every week they would, uh, bring their, uh, their sponsor would bring them through a step. So within 12 weeks, they were all the way through the steps and they were ready to take on uh, sponsees themselves. And I'm just like, I time takes time and I needed a heck of a lot more time than a week to actually do my fourth step and actually put it down to paper. So being willing to actually uh, do that, I thought was tough. Um, so I guess the last thing I wanted to hit on, if you guys had anything else, uh, let me know was, are there any prayers that you use that helped you be willing like early on or what you use now? For me, it's, it's a lot of, it was a lot of, um, I'm where I'm supposed to be kind of affirmations. Like this is, you know, this is God's will. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and then like a, a phrase that my sponsor said to me early on was like, none of this has anything to do with you. Right. And, and that helps me because like, one, it gets me out of myself. It's not about what I want to do and what I don't want to do. It's about what I can do in that moment for other people. So like me going to a meeting that I don't really want to go to, it's not about me. It's not about what I can get out of there. It's just, it's, it's about other people. And, and, you know, my, the effect that my presence or other people's presence has being in that room. Or if it's like, even like recovery as a whole, recovery is ultimately not about me. It's about, the people in my life, my friends and family and the relationships that I affect that my behavior is affected. So it's easier to be more willing to think that like, I'm not being sober. It's not just what I can get out of this. It's what all the people around me can get out of it indirectly. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Is there anything you use James? Well, Basically, when I pray to God, it's it's always been personal. Um, I, when it comes to people I've harmed, um, you know, making amends, uh, I use the prayer, you know, grant me the willingness to, to begin my restitution, and um, help me to take responsibility for my my mistakes and to be forgiving to others as you are forgiving to me. And, um, cause it's hard to be willing to, um, forgive those who have harmed you. And, um, 
and then when people have, you know, really taking advantage of me, it's, that's when I really have to ask God for help to be willing to forgive them. I'm trying to get to a point guys where I, um, where everything is like, I don't even have to forgive people because nothing gets past, you know, my love for them. Cause I'll see them as a child of God. And, you know, no matter what they say or do, it's, I'm, I'm at a higher plane through my relationship with my higher power that nothing can hurt me because I know who I am and I know where I stand in this world with God. So my wife and I were talking about this the other day. She's the one who brought this to my, she's like, you know, we've, I'm going to get to a place where I don't have to forgive people. So no matter what people do to me, it's not going to matter. And I just, I thought that was quite incredible. And uh, so I'll let you know how that goes, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, it's progress, not perfection, James. Oh, no, this is far from perfection. This yeah. is a higher plane than you guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh, I think it's, I think it's good. I, um, the, I guess it would be the, the third and the seventh step prayer or what I would wake up in the morning and make sure that I hit my knees and said, and that's something that I continuously, uh, do to make sure that I'm willing to just take on the day and take it one little, you know, bite at a time. I hate the, um, uh, the phrase that's used. I never understand it. It's like, how do you need it? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And I'm like, who in the heck is eating elephants? You know, <laughs> who's doing that? Have you guys heard that phrase? Yeah, I'm hanging around too many psychos. Like it's a metaphor, Michael. But it's no, it's it's a really terrible metaphor, isn't it? I don't know. I think you overthink it. Yeah, I never like. I'm never. Well, I'm not gonna overeat it. (laughs) All right. How do you move a mountain? One Uh, rock at a time. Oh, I thought it was by calling it a molehill. Right? No. Okay. Well, I'll work on it. And uh, is there anything else that we want to touch on before we we close? Yeah, I got I got a very important question. Oh no. Okay. Uh, Who watched Bad Batch? No, I'm gonna watch it at breakfast. Okay. Bad Touch. Bad Batch. The new Star Wars that was released on May the fourth. On Disney Plus, I never heard of it. I guess I'll, I'll have to check it out. It's a cartoon, but we can't talk about it because y'all haven't watched it. So it wasted of a question. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I guess it's, I guess we'll have to be willing to do that next time, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for we- being willing to talk about this. Thursday, <laughs> sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 87. With an effective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember to be willing to go to any lengths to stay sober. And we'll see you next time. Woohoo!